Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Uh, this is Beth Terranova. She is a guest on the T3 Fit Scoliosis podcast. Beth, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Teresa, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, Beth is a physical therapist and she is on Instagram under Strength and Spine. She is here to tell us about her story, her journey with scoliosis, and how she became a physical therapist. So, whenever you're ready. Sure. So my story really started when I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed around, I want to say 11 or 12 years old. And my curve was pretty small around 10 degrees. And I forget the details of why, but we didn't get back to the orthopedist for our follow-up. And by the time we got back, my curve had progressed to about 30 degrees. Okay. And the doctor was freaking out. He's like, how is this even possible? It's been, it hasn't been that long of a time. Like you must've lied about your original x-rays. It couldn't have been 10 degrees. So there was a bit of drama um, around wow. that. But once um, he looked at my x-rays and realized I had stopped growing, he said, you know what, this is, you know, you're not going to grow anymore. There's really nothing I can do for you. This is something that you'll just have to live with. And being, you know, a teen, maybe like 13 years old, having no idea what that meant. And at the time, you know, growing up in the era of the Disney movies and seeing the hunchback of Notre Dame and thinking like, is this what I will be? Is this what I will become? And, and just remembering that fear of, I have no clue what this means going forward. Um, so, you know, I, just kind of forgot about it. I, you know, once I had that initial shock, I didn't really go back to thinking about it. And I got to high school and in high school, I went to get a second set of textbooks because the orthopedist said, you should not put any weight on your back, you know, never put on a backpack, you know, never carry anything heavy on your back. You need a second set of textbooks for home. Mm -hmm. So I remember the librarian was a very sharp and very, very curt individual. She looked at me and she said, you're carrying your soccer bag with all your equipment in it and you can't carry a few textbooks. And I thought about it. I said, wait a second. She's point. right. Yeah. I've been playing soccer. I've been playing sports. I've been doing all these things and it's never been an issue. So that's when I started having that mindset change of thinking, well, this doesn't really change what I'm able to do, yeah. you know? So I was involved in soccer. I got involved in track and field. And when I started with track, I was competing in the pole vault because 
I really thought it was cool and nobody else wanted to do it. So even with my like very limited athletic ability, I was able to get on the team. Nice. <laughs> so I, I competed in the pole vault and my pole vault coach had just got interested in weightlifting. And so he said, you know what, Beth, I really think that if you start weightlifting, it'll help your track. It'll help you get stronger for pole vault. You're going to jump higher. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get a little faster. So he brings me down to this like dungeon of a gym in Queens and I get down there and I start working with the coach and the coach says to me, there's maybe there was one other woman in the entire weightlifting area. (laughs) (laughs) So it was definitely that old school, like muscly, (laughs) a little bit too dirty for your taste. It wasn't wasn't an equinox for sure and it was funny because they had weightlifting and ping pong ran on the same night so you had to be careful that you didn't drop your barbell on a ping pong ball that's how they would roll up onto the platforms oh my goodness so I got down there and me I weighed about 99 pounds I was like this string bean person and the coach says to me you know what he's like if you lived in you know on this one of those block countries you would have been taken from your family to be a weightlifter you got you got talent for this wow and I was like okay I mean I didn't I didn't you're like I'm just gonna go with the flow because this is yeah this is part of it (laughs) right I mean I was pretty bad at track so I said you know what maybe I'll actually be good at something here so I started weight training and I tell my mom and my mom's like, you're what? You're doing what? So she dragged me to back to the orthopedist and the orthopedist says, well, how much weight are you lifting? What are you doing? I said, well, you know, I'm doing a hundred pounds this, I'm doing this much here. And he's like, you know what? Just go for it. Just do it. It doesn't seem like you're already grown. I don't think it's going to change anything. Was this the so, same orthopedist that you had seen in the past? Different one. Okay. Different one. Yeah. Which was interesting because I don't think that was the general, um, consensus at that point. Yeah. I can't even, it's hard to find even a doctor right now who would say it's okay to weight train with scoliosis. That's still a bit taboo. Um, When, how, what year were you, uh, did you see the orthopedist who just said, gave you the kind of wait and see aspect? That was, that was early two thousands. Cause I was like, okay. I was around 12. Okay. Um, so I would say probably around 2002. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Some things and haven't changed. So, yes, absolutely. Which is kind <laughs> of, it's, it's a little upsetting, you know, yeah. and you would think how many, you know, almost 20 years later now and the same, the same, same. things going on. And yeah. I always have that that thought of like, if I got into a brace or if I had access, I don't even think Schroth therapy was uh, an option in the US at that point. It's become, it started getting recognition, I think around 2006. Right. So, right. Yep. Which is crazy because it's been around for right. a really long time. It's been in Europe, yeah. especially. Yes. Yeah. I yes. mean, Katerina Schroth a hundred years ago. Right. You know, right. So, but so they didn't, they didn't practice that. And you went into weightlifting and the orthopedics said, keep doing it. Right. So I, I started competing in weightlifting. I saw a lot of like weird things that I didn't see in other people, you know, my pelvis shifting and mm-hmm. 
you know, my alignment wasn't always, I would, I, sometimes I would start to spin a little bit if I had the bar overhead, you okay. know, and nobody really knew what that meant. Like my coach was, that was his hobby. So he wasn't thinking, oh, you know, this girl has scoliosis. I have to train right. her a different way or whatever. So I got inspired to become a physical therapist because I was at a, a national event for weightlifting and I met a physical therapist and the physical therapist said, oh, well, you know, you have to work on your, your strength and your pelvis so that your pelvis won't rotate when you're doing your lifts and mm. you'll be able to stay more steady. And I said, what is it that you do? Like, what is this? And I said, oh, I'm a physical therapist. I said, this sounds really cool. This sounds like what I want to do. So I came back, I was in college at the time. I came back to my college advisor. I said, I want to be a physical therapist. What do I need to do? You know, how can I switch over my coursework to a pre-physical therapy track? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's kind of where, that's kind of where it started. And I went to PT school at Hunter College. <laughs> Under, I did my undergrad and my DPT there. I didn't want to okay. leave. And I had been there so many years. By the time I graduated, the the guys who like worked in the maintenance of the building were like, are you ever going to graduate? <laughs> I didn't realize I had been there for two degrees. They just saw me around for seven years in a row. And they're like, why are you still here? I'm like, isn't it time? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so you graduated from there. And you got your uh, degree in physical therapy. And then what you, you also do Schroth. Right. So what happened between those gaps? So I was introduced to Schroth actually in my undergrad because my mentor Hagit was, he came and gave a lecture about Schroth therapy to our class. So, and of course she's like, do we have any volunteers in the audience with scoliosis? I'm like, maybe, maybe, <laughs> Tell it, you know, <laughs> measure my curve. I want to know. So um, I was introduced to Schroth method there. And I actually started uh, practicing at um, Columbia Presbyterian immediately when I came out of school, okay. I worked in the hospital setting. And at that time it had just, they, Columbia had just hired some new doctors, some new surgeons from, uh, I think they were coming from St. Louis, who were scoliosis specialists. Okay. So Dr. Lanky, Dr. Lehman, and Dr. Root came to Presbyterian, and they established the spine hospital. And there was an opportunity to go and be a physical therapist for patients who had just had scoliosis surgeries. So I took that opportunity to go and work with patients who had just had the scoliosis surgeries. And then I said, you know what, I kind of want to get more involved on the outpatient side of this and, and be, you know, so I, I transitioned to a position at NYU and at NYU, I was able to take the Schroth training. Um, and I just, I was like, now it all makes sense. Now it all comes together as to like, why all these things that I experienced as a teen growing up and mm -hmm. what I noticed in my weight training and why I always felt these imbalances mm -hmm. and how, you know, these things happen. Now it all makes sense to what was happening now that I understand more about my curve. And I realized very quickly that there was a gap between Schroth and physical therapy to weight training and fitness for scoliosis. Okay. And that's really where my interest has focused so much on is, you know, taking principles of Schroth method and how we can correct our alignment and how we can, 
carry that over into a weight training, into a fitness routine. And that's really kind of what strength and spine was to me was to bring together that disconnect that I saw being a teen, being scoliosis, having scoliosis, wanting to weight train and not having someone to help guide. How should I do this? What should I do? What other accessory work do I need so that I'm not, you know, leaning towards one side when I'm trying to do my lifting? Right. Um, and how is it, how has it helped you just in terms of, you know, you, you talked about when you were diagnosed, you, the Disney world and hunchback of Notre Dame and the vision that you automatically was ingrained in your mind. How did learning Schroth and bringing it into your world, how did that change your emotional space with your scoliosis? I, I felt, I, I felt so much more empowered to say like, oh, I can do something about this. And what's funny is that even being a weightlifter and thinking like, oh, I have phenomenal strength. Like I think when I trained in Schroth, I was squatting like close to two times my body weight. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, I'm really strong. Like this is going to be, my core is great. I'm going to, this is going to be easy. And I went to the Schroth method course and I'm like, wow, I really cannot like some of the exercises. I said, this is very challenging. This is because I had that awareness of like how to stabilize for weight training, but I didn't have that awareness of how to find, how to derotate or how to move my rib cage in a yeah. way that was going to help change my curve. And that was actually the first time I had seen my x-ray because after the course I went and got a new x-ray because I was curious what, you know, what is, you know, where am I at? Right. And, you know, seeing my x-ray really like put the pieces together for me as to, okay, this is why I've been experienced and it validated a lot of the things that I had dealt with for a very long time that I had, that I had attributed to, oh, I'm weak. Oh, I need to work on this more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I always had imbalances in my strength between my legs and I would get very frustrated with myself and my training to like, why can't I squat more? Why do I always, you know? And then when I got my x-ray, I have a leg length discrepancy, like a true, like legs are truly different lengths. And I said, okay, now this explains all the years of why I always mm -hmm. felt off balance when I was squatting. And uh, it really, it, it empowered me to say like, okay, now there is something that I can do for my scoliosis mm -hmm. um, to make it even better um, and to feel even stronger. So what is something that you do personally to be with your leg discrepancy? Do you put a lift in your shoe or do you step on like a, a plate for one? I mean, depending obviously on how big the discrepancy is, but what is something that you personally do for that? Yeah. This is a big back and forth. And we debated this a lot. Like when I was in the Schroth course and mm -hmm. I went back as a patient and mm -hmm. we would go back and forth. Should I wear the lift? Should I not wear the lift? Should I wear the lift? Should I not? Mm -hmm. And, and we, my discrepancy is about an inch. Okay. So, you know, that's kind of on that borderline where we would say, should we use it? Should we not? You know, mm -hmm. if it was more than that, obviously we would use a lift. I decided to start using the lift just because when I trained with it, I felt more balanced. So what I did was I started building up a lift in my lifting shoe mm -hmm. and I, and I started wearing it more in my other shoes. And then I saw how I felt. And if I do not wear it, 
I feel literally now I've gotten used to it. I feel literally like you I'm feel. walking on an uneven surface surface. Okay. So I've started. Yeah. I think for most people, that's, that's an experimentation to yeah, see what works. When my daughter was diagnosed and we did Shroff at uh, NYU Langone. There's the dog. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> he make his appearance. Um, I asked them about that and they did not suggest it for her. So for teens is different because they're still growing, right? So even if they truly have a leg length difference, Mm -hmm. we won't always add a lift for them. Okay. And the reason is because we don't want to put pressure on the growth plate. Okay. So we want the body to naturally like realize because the body's not going to grow exactly the same both sides, right? The body's going to respond a little bit to how, you know, the the spine is growing, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we put a lift on the one side of the leg that still needs to grow, it almost teaches the body like, oh, this leg doesn't need to grow anymore because it's off balance. Okay. Right. And, and, and there's also a lot of, um, sometimes we'll see a, a leg length discrepancy. That's not a true, it's coming from pelvis rotation. And, yeah. and that's where we have to be careful. For example, I work with a client that she had had a fusion surgery mm-hmm. and she had a Harrington rod surgery many years ago, never really had any pain, any problems. Mm-hmm. And she went to the podiatrist and they made her a set of orthotics. And a podiatrist said, oh, you know what? This leg is shorter. I'm going to boost you up a little bit on this side. As soon as she started wearing the orthotics, she had pain. She was, you know, she started having all these problems. And then I, so when I evaluate, I said, but if you're adding lift to this side, it's actually pushing your curve the other way. So even though it looks like your legs are different lengths, you've been this way for 50 years. Yeah. By adding that lift, we were throwing off the balance. So, you know, I'm very wary and, and this is, you know, we can always, this is a big debate in our field as to like, what should we do? But I'm always kind of depends on the person, depends on the size of the difference and depends, is it truly the legs or is it something with the pelvis? Yeah, I, I think I've, I've listened to you speak on Instagram in your stories and you talk also, I mean, you talk a lot about that even with, with training, with weight training and, and even if you're working with a coach, you know, find the person that is good for you and everybody's weight training is different. It doesn't mean like you, you know, you were lifting 150, you know, deadlifting or squatting. It's not something that I personally would do because I'm just not comfortable with that. Can I do it? If I work towards it, I'm sure I could, but it's not something that I am invested enough in for my body for long-term. And I think that that's a really valid point with Schroth and with weight training is that we're all different you know, and, and people, people come to you and to many other resources for advice and questions, but we're all different. So it's a matter of what we're comfortable with. Like where, what are our goals? You talk about running. I, I personally, I am not a runner. It does not feel good on my back. And if it doesn't feel good on my back, I'm just not going to do it. And I, and I, Yep. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I totally agree. And, and that's why, you know, I, I, sometimes I'm almost like I post videos of me lifting, but sometimes I'm almost nervous because I don't want people to think that that's my program. 
that I'm turning everyone into a weightlifter because it's not the case, you know? <laughs> not everyone is meant to be, you know, deadlifting, right. you know, 225 pounds. I have a variety of people that I work with. So I work with people that are just looking to get stronger so that when they're getting up out of bed, when they're moving around, they feel better and they don't feel like they're leaning forward or they don't feel like they're um, unable to stand up straight. So I'll work with some people who their weight lifting might be a one or two pound dumbbell. It may be a resistance band, you know, and I work all the way up to people who have scoliosis, but want to compete nationally in weightlifting. So mm -hmm. I, there's a big variety in the spectrum of, and like you said, not everybody's, not everybody's sport of choice is going to be something weight related. Yeah. You know, a lot of people will work body weight, will work, you know, you, you use your mace, which is so cool. I, I love that. And I, and I'm like, this is something so new to me. And you that would be cool. I'm curious to see how I, I, I really appreciate this. I can tell it's a very, a lot of work for stability. Yeah. Which like is it reminds me a little bit of the, um, like the bat or the baton work that some people do, or even like kettlebell sport. Yeah. That, it's awesome. And that's what I love about what we do is that, you know, we both have scoliosis. I know that you've had a fusion. Yeah. I haven't had a fusion, but we can build our strength in different ways that work for either of us. And right. that's, and that's something that I really advocate too for my clients is like, look, you know, I'm not a runner either. My track days are over, <laughs> but if you're someone that wants to run, okay, here's how we can build a strength program that's going to support your running. If you're someone that is, is, you know, is interested in yoga, but is having trouble with some of the poses in terms of your stability. Okay. Here's how we can work on your hip control and your hip strength. Or mm -hmm. if you're someone who wants to compete in weightlifting, here's how we can optimize your, your strength, even though you have your curve and how we can strengthen around your curve so that you can have a successful career, career yeah. training. But it's, it's great along the scoliosis itself. There's so much variety in the curve and the curve type and the treatments and whether or not you've had surgery and that each of us can experience strength training in our own way. Yeah. And it, it feels like the world of scoliosis, it's just, it's exploding to empowerment, which is such a gift. It's such a gift because, you know, I mean, you, as I said before, you talked about the Hunchback of Notre Dame and my story <clears throat> goes back to the 80s and is very different. And uh, the, the pain that it causes. And I recently spoke with Sarah Henderson and her podcast is up and we're about the same age. And she was born with it and she was fused as an infant. So what she has lived with her life, you know, but she's now swinging goddess and maces like it's awesome scoliosis is not one mold, you know, and I think that that is a huge value in, in my perspective, in listening to you on Instagram. Um, it's right. Yeah. Sick. We're not, I, I'm, we should never be here to fear monger people. And that's what, you know, that's what I really don't want to be. And I know sometimes the medical community can really push that. Like if you don't wear your brace, if you don't do this, if you don't do that, like surgery is, you know, you're going to end up with surgery and this is surgery. And, and, and I just look that each, 
how each person approaches their curve is their choice. But I'm here to say like, you shouldn't be embarrassed about how your, your spine looks, about how your back looks. This is something that is unique to each of us. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to cope with. Look, and, I, and I'm sure you're being a, a movement professional yourself. It's like, sometimes you record a video and you say like, I really don't like how I look there. Maybe I'll record mm -hmm. that one again. Mm -hmm. Or like when I was recording a lot of videos, when I initially started last year in June, I was recording all of my videos for Scoliosis Awareness Month. And I, I looked back at video and I sat there and I cried because I said like, I don't like the way my ribs are sticking out in this video and I don't have the strength right now to control them. And, and I, you know, being someone who was very, very strong, very active for a long time, and then everything shutting down and not being able to do anything like to me, that was a very emotional time. Yeah. And, but in reality, that's not something, you know, then people will look at me and say, but you, it's not even very noticeable. Your curve is not even very noticeable, but to each of us, we have our own insecurities and that doesn't mean we should cover up or we should keep to ourselves and we should share those with, yeah. with each other because they might be going through a similar experience. You, you put at one point on your story, how people were specifically hiding their curves or what they were told to hide their curves. And you and I just, I, I DM'd you about this, about somebody, it was, don't cut your hair. To, to cover your curve. Yeah. I, I'm, I was, that one was, I like, was baffled. Oof. Yeah. Like, I, wait, it, I, <laughs> and I know, it, you know, and it's, it's so when you hear things like that, it's just, you know, in our world of being fused or not, it's, you don't know what you can't see and you don't, you can see my curves, but you don't see what goes on inside. And for somebody to say that exaggerates what that person might already be feeling. And that, that's the, pro and like, you just kind of go, wait a minute, what? I don't, this is not what this is about. This is about giving people the strength and the empowerment to live with the body that they were given and don't make it more debilitating. That's like what you're doing and, and the message that you're constantly giving out on Instagram, I just think is amazing because it's spreading empowerment on a different level that I personally have not experienced on social media and it's keeping it real. Um, because I come from, I come from the other side of spinal fusion. Um, but it's nice, it's nice to see. And so, so you're doing, you're doing shock, but you're only doing it with adults currently, or are you doing it with both or what's, what's, what would be the difference? Sorry. What would be the difference from kids versus adults with shock? So I would say the, the challenge with adults is that they're just not as flexible. They're not as bendy as my teens. My teens, I can hang them. I can stretch them. Their curve will just whoop, go okay. almost completely straight. Okay. Depending on the, you know, and that's why teens respond well to bracing because the brace can literally smush them into a better alignment mm -hmm. that hopefully they continue to grow into that better alignment. Okay. 
my adults, not all of my adults have that flexibility, have that ability to make a big correction. And I find there's, I'm learning that there's a variety. There are some adults that are more stiff on their curve and I could pull and straighten as much as I can and, and not see so much of a change, but still need to get stronger, still need to stabilize because we don't want it to get worse. Right. Mm. But I also have some adults that have a flexible curve, but don't have the stability to hold themselves up properly and start leaning, leaning, leaning. Like I'm working with a client now who is leaning so much into her curve. She is losing her balance to that side. Okay. And it's, and it's a big issue for her because she's walking and she's about to fall, especially if she's on an angle, right? So it's so much work on like, okay, we have to get your body over more to the left and keep that alignment as you're walking. So you're not keep leaning more towards the right. So I would say with adults, it's definitely more of a challenge because we start to deal more so with the spine being a little bit stiffer. Like adults don't respond very well to bracing. I don't advocate bracing in my adults unless it's like a significant, significant pain situation where maybe the bracing would give some pain relief, but bracing doesn't really work because we're not able to make so much a correction as just holding the spine in place Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't progress more so. And, you know, adult, I just, you know, I, I, part of why I really, really push for adults and to work with adults was because I had a client that had one of those flexible curves that was leaning over and decided to have fusion surgery and unfortunately didn't make it, didn't, didn't survive the surgery. And, you know, when I found that out, that absolutely like that broke my heart. And I said to myself, I will never again, just let, I'm not going to give up on someone like that. I would never, and I, and I had not given up on her. I told her, I said, I don't think you need the surgery. I think if we work together for a few more months, we can get you in an alignment where you feel comfortable, where you don't feel like you're leaning, but she just had her heart set on it. And from that point forward, I said, this is what I need to do. This is why, you know, adults, and, and I don't know how you feel about this, Teresa. Sometimes I feel like adults are like neglected group with scoliosis, like the teens, there's so much treatment for and ideas for and the adults were just not there yet in terms of what's the best treatment for us. Yeah, I I mean the adults that I've mostly come across with have had the surgery or about to have the surgery and they are so thankful. Um, they haven't discussed for the most part when I started talking with them, it wasn't about Shroff. It was just about the aspect of the surgery. Um, it's hard to say, you know, it's, it's such a different mindset. It's hard to say because as teens, they have the support of their parents. And as adults, we take it on ourselves. And if you have a partner or whatever, but generally we take it on ourselves and we're left to make that decision. And that's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine having the surgery as an adult. The people that I've spoken to, like I said, they've been really thankful and like they say it's a game changer, but I've also seen many stories where people have the surgery and it's gone bad. I, 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 it's, it's hard to say, you know, it's really hard to say. And also because the lifestyles are also so different. 
kids are like, you know, like you were saying, you can pull them into alignment. They're, they're jumping beans. They're out, they're doing this, they're doing that. And as adults, I mean, especially in today's world, we're sitting. So that I, it's, it's a really good question. We know that Schroth started in Germany with Katharina Schroth um, about a hundred years ago. In terms of curves, without surgery, do you find that they are worse in Europe or here, or do we get more exposure for helping people with curbs than in Europe? It's a good question. I see a variety, like I interact with a lot of people internationally and I mm -hmm. see some who have ready access to Schroth therapy who may be going to the clinic in Germany for an intensive for, you know, six weeks. And then I also see people who don't have any straw therapy available to them anywhere nearby. So I don't know that it, it I think Europe may be similar to the US where it really depends where you are. Okay. And if you think about it, the thing that, that we discuss a lot in the medical field is that if you are diagnosed with scoliosis in New York City, you have probably some of the best doctors in the country, some of the best PTs in the country. You have Schroth therapists galore. There's so many of us in Manhattan and yeah. Brooklyn and you know Westchester. Yeah. But if you're diagnosed in like somewhere Midwest, like I, I looked up the other day, I think it was like Wisconsin. There's one Schroth therapist in the entirety of Wisconsin. So if you're, if let's say you're, di you're diagnosed in a state like that, or, you know, you're diagnosed in a country in Europe that, that you don't have a straw therapist or you don't have a scoliosis specialist there and you're going to, you know, traditional orthopedic doctor who doesn't really see scoliosis very often, then you're going to a generalist PT who's saying scoliosis doesn't cause pain. Why are you here? And then you're going through, you know, a, a treatment in that and, and, to me, it's like, it, it's so scary. And, and I've had some, I've gone to some lectures with some of the bigger doctors, and this is a big thing they're working on because if you're diagnosed in New York and you go to this, you're going to get the best brace. You're going to get the best treatment. You're going to get whatever's on the, on the highest edge of care. But yeah. this doc, some doctor out in, you know, wherever, even though it's also treating scoliosis, is not using that same brace is not using that is not referring to straw therapy. So it's like, there's always this back and forth in the community as well. Like we need to, we need to be on the same page and we're not, we're not on the same page of treating scoliosis and especially too in, in scoliosis surgery that, you know, only maybe, only maybe 40% of surgeons send their, their patients for physical therapy after fusion surgery. You've think? reconstructed someone's entire body and you tell them it's okay. Go, just go, just, you know, live your yeah. life. You're, you're straight now. So it doesn't matter. And to me, it's like, we have to go and, and advocate even like to the surgeons and say, Hey, this is what I do. This is why it's important. You know, I treat people who had spine fusion surgery 10 years ago, and now they're having back pain because nobody ever addressed that they needed to strengthen their core or their hips after the surgery. Yeah. It was like, you had a, you had a thoracic fusion, you're good now, but nobody ever addressed the lumbar curve that's still there. You know, it, it's, there's, I don't know that it's, 
something better or worse country to country. I think it's a matter of like, we are not all on the same page on how we treat this right now. Do you have anything else that you would like to share with the audience about movement or any personal tips that you would give somebody? So I always want to advocate that strength training is okay for scoliosis. However you're going to do, whether you're going to use some dumbbells, resistance bands, some, you know, and it's important for scoliosis, especially for adults. If you're also diagnosed with osteopenia or osteoporosis, you need to do some weight bearing exercise for your bone density. And I think there is still a big fear in the community of weight training of, will I injure myself? Will I, and my argument is that you're going to be more at risk of injuring yourself if you're weak. So being stronger and building up your strength is going to actually be less of an injury risk than not doing anything at all and, and living in fear of exercising. And I think the underlying thing, like we discussed before, is that you can pick the exercise routine that works for you. You don't have to do a particular, because I know sometimes, and you probably hear this too, Teresa, is like you go to every doctor and they're like, swim, walk, bike, maybe bike. <laughs> it's like, but what if I want to play tennis or, you know, like run track or, you know, and there's no instruction on that. Swing so, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I'm sure that no physician or probably even majority of PTs even understand what you do with your trainings. Kind of looks and they're like, what is that? And I'm like, it's a maze. That was my experience when I started weightlifting because weightlifting was a a very um, unknown sport in the U.S., when I started training and mm-hmm. I would tell, I, I compete in weightlifting. Oh, you're a bodybuilder. I'm like, no, it's not. Bodybuilding is different. Bodybuilding is more for physique. Weightlifting is, have you ever watched the Olympics? You know, when they do weightlifting in the Olympics, that's what I do. And then they like have to look up like Olympic and then weightlifting. They're like, and then they're like, but you do that? Yeah. They're like, little, little you, little you, that's what you do. <laughs> you don't look like a weightlifter. I said, thank, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I said, you don't know what a weightlifter looks like. You've never met one before. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it in a nutshell. We don't come in any specific size. Right. There's no, right. you know, we, this, is, this is the body that we were given to perform to the best of our ability with what we do. Right. So right. Um, people, okay, tell people where they can find you. I know I find you on, we have connected through Instagram, um, but I'm going to let you share your social media with people who are listening. Sure. So we can connect on Instagram. My Instagram is strength and spine. Uh, My website, www.strengthandspine.com. I have a Facebook group for people who are interested in starting to strength train with scoliosis. That's the Scoliosis Strength Club on Facebook. And email me, drbeth at strengthandspine.com if you're interested in getting started and you don't know where to start. I do have a free guide on my Instagram for anyone who wants to start strength training and kind of needs that where do I start as someone with scoliosis to strength train? And that guide gives you kind of a nice 
starting point on how to find your postural alignment and then some beginner exercises to get started on. Cool. Well, Beth, I thank you for having the opportunity for us to connect on Instagram because it's we've you know chatted every once in a while. Um, but thanks for being a guest on the show. And if anybody has any questions, you can find Beth on inst in, on Instagram under Strength and Spine. So, thank you, everybody. Thanks, Beth. Thanks. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode. <laughs>